Hi, this is Randy Bachman. You're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself. I can't afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away. A song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. And I'm Kyle Dotson. And Kyle, I don't know how he will feel about this introduction, but we're sitting with a living legend today. Yeah. They don't I make... feel fine about that. <laughs> <laughs> the man is... Better Rand... than a dead legend. <laughs> <laughs> the man true. is Randy Bachman, and there's a new documentary coming out. Is it out right now or is it coming out? March? I saw it. Oh, I left my paper there. March the 26th. March the 26th. You can see it now if you're one of the select guys. I saw it last You must night. be one of them. Uh, but it'll be out, I can't believe this, on iTunes, Prime Video, Google Play, and on DVD, March the 26th. Uh, through Film Rise, I believe. I was stunned when I saw it. <laughs> it, must be, uh, it must be wild to, uh, to have a, a documentary about yourself. It is. It's just, pre- just as if I took all your parents' home movies of you as a little kid... You know what I mean? Running around playing on a swing and put it all together and released it. It's like it's home nice. movies, right? And uh, it's great. Your kid, two of your children are in it? Yeah, a couple of my kids are in it. They work with me. My son tells in my band. Mm-hmm. My daughter does my social media. I just don't have time to do it. I'm touring and I got a radio show. I'm still rocking in the free world. And <laughs> she's taking care of that stuff. Uh, and how many kids do you have? Total. I have eight kids eight and kids. 26 grandkids. Christmas must be so. Tough. Being on tour is really good. <laughs> I visit them all over the country. If I'm playing here, they drive from, you know. If I'm playing Vegas, they drive from here. They drive from Utah, whatever they are. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, and I hope you take this as a compliment. I think you look cooler now than you did in any of the footage that I watched in this documentary. Oh, I, was a, I was a geek back then. <laughs> there were some shots. You have giant fro and you got a big beard. And then it one, there's one clip, I think, of BTO where it looks like you guys raided KC and the Sunshine Band's uh, wardrobe. You had like these jump, spangly jumpsuits on. It got to the point, like we started out all kind of the same, like wearing the, the Canadian tuxedo, right? A jean shirt and jean pants. <laughs> right. And we're touring with ZZ Top and Frampton and the Doobie mm-hmm. Brothers and you know, Allman Brothers. And everybody just wore Neil Young stuff, cow- cowboy shirts and yeah. stuff like that. And then as you get going, you're doing a gig and suddenly Billy Gibbons and the guys show up in these nudie suits with cactus <laughs> on them with diamonds and rhinestones. You go, well, we look like the guys in the audience wearing jean shirts. <laughs> right. So we then would go and get try to outdo ZZ Top and get pink clothes. And Fred Turner had fur because he had orange hair and a beard and he looked like Yosemite Sam on Bugs Bunny or a wild Viking, do you know what I mean? People would say to Fred, why are you in this band? He said, well, I couldn't get work as a Viking. And that was his joke, right? <laughs> of course, Fred Turner is the Turner in uh, Bachman Turner yeah. Overdrive. So what you're saying is you used to just walk off the bus and walk on stage, but now you had to get some show clothes. We did back then, yeah. yeah. I mean, ZZ Top... I had a cactus on stage and bought a, a longhorn steer and put sand. And we walk out like playing with amps. So like, we had to do something. You guys were letting the music do the talking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this documentary is, uh, is fascinating because uh, I, I, you know, I don't know a lot of the stuff. You know, a lot of people don't know all the backstory. About I didn't even know a lot of it. <laughs> Some cool stuff in there. Uh, that, the big house oh. is amazing. 
That was, I went there at Christmas. I hadn't been there for 30 years. What a beautiful, like normally when I see a documentary and they show a rock star's house, he's got like a, he's got like a purple leopard in the front room. It's like crazy. And this was like, it was a big home, but it was so homey and comfortable. It just looked amazing. Well, I was you. like, I was like, I want to live there. So that was I wanted great. to live there. You but wanted to live there. For sale again. <laughs> what, how, I wonder how much that's going for now. Uh, less than what it was back then. Really? Yeah, it's around 2.6 million. So on 30 acres of land on the Canadian-U.S. border. You should buy it again. <laughs> make it make it a, a buy back my old buy back your old horror house. memory. Buy back my old divorce <laughs> oh, auction true. items. That's true, Pat. Way to go. Way to bring that up. All right. So uh, I want to talk about your most recent release. We're going to hear uh, we're going to hear one song from that, and then we'll close out with a couple tunes Great. from it. But I always like to talk about what you're doing now because everyone we have on, you know, you're still a working musician. You still yeah. make your living. You pick up the guitar every day. That's your passion. That's what you do. And I hate when uh, I call them veteran artists, when their new work gets lost in the shuffle or people don't seek it out. So I, I definitely want to shine a light on your Great. your newest album, which is called... Uh, by, by George. By George. And uh, As they say in England, by George. By George. I love the title because these are George Harrison songs Yeah, uh, filtered through the the crazy weirdness can i say of randy bachman yeah these are different uh different arrangements I, maybe i'm not even going to say what this song is we'll just start it okay and let people figure it out so kyle just play play the first one i have queued up in the list i don't want to say the title <laughs> oh, i love this one yeah it's great Fantastic. I'm getting goosebumps. I want to buy that. <laughs> Who is that? Go to iTunes right now, everyone. Download it. Get it right now. Right now. Um, you probably don't listen to your, your old catalog of music in headphones. Well, it's on the radio all well, the time, but true. I don't listen on headphones. No. I think I'm going to play a couple things that you maybe maybe haven't heard in a long time. I could be wrong, but I'm hoping to surprise you with the first two songs okay. you play. Uh, first, I want to talk a little bit more about the documentary. Was it, uh, was it fun to watch uh, some of your peers talk about you? Peter Frampton's in this. And Neil Young, Alex Lifeson. Well, the, the guy who did it, John Barnum, mm -hmm. never showed me anything. Oh, cool. So it was a complete surprise. So he didn't even tell you that I'm interviewing Frampton or Bruce Well, he Greenwood. said, well, I've got Frampton, I've got, you know, Billy Gibbons, and some guys could and couldn't because of their schedule. Sure. We just couldn't fit them all in. Uh, but when I saw some of them on there and the things they said, it was, it was quite a surprise and quite a really feel-good moment. So, yeah, who doesn't want to hear their peers say uh, great things about them? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean... I would just love my kids to say something I couldn't something have written else. a better script for Neil Young. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, what I, I think I might have written something down that Neil said. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I know Paul Schaefer said he was uh, blown away the first time he saw you. He said it was a mind-blowing show. That's pretty great. We, uh, Paul Schaefer's from the Lakehead, which then was called uh, Port Arthur and Fort William. Now it's called Thunder Bay. And as the guests who we would go there and play every 
Christmas Eve Eve on the 23rd, mm. play the, the gardens, as it's called, the hockey rink, and get $400, 100 bucks each, and drive all the way back to Winnipeg overnight and do our shopping on Christmas Eve for our parents and our brothers, whatever. And, right. and in the front row was always Paul Schaefer, and he was like 12, then 14. We did this every year for eight or nine or 10 years. Then we, be, we had our hit record shaking all over yeah. and left town. He went in, to Toronto and became the music director for Godspell and Hair, and then was seen by Letterman and Gilda Radner, and then he became you know, Letterman's guy. Yeah. We've been friends for, forever, me and Schaefer. And well, Neil Young, same thing. And you just said the first song I wanted to play. You just said Shaking All Over. Mm. So let's play it. That was 1965. Still sounds great. That's sounds... when it came out. We did it in 64. Okay. One microphone. Wow. One microphone. That's how it was. We're, we're doing this with three microphones. <laughs> well, we heard the playback and said, gee, the drums are too loud. We moved the entire drum set back about a foot. <laughs> the mic was in the middle of the room, which was smart because we didn't have yeah. any weird standing waves. And the lead singer went closer. I was into a Fender concert amp, which is four inputs, but two channels. Okay. Through an uh, echo tape recorder. The piano was mic'd and through there, and the bass was through the same amp. So our mixing board was a Fender concert amp, moving the drums back, moving the singer up. The singer had lost his voice. He was taking Tylenol for his, he had a head cold. Uh -huh. So we ended up with him lying on the floor with a pillow under him, singing that particular track with the mic over him, and the rest of us positioned around the mic. And it's in a television studio, so it wasn't a really re a recording studio. Yeah. So we have to unplug a little patch bay and plug it in for playback and plug in for the mic. And one time we were so tired, this is three or four in the morning, we forgot to unplug the patch bay, and we played it back, that echo came on it. We said, wow, that's like Sun Records, it's like Elvis, <laughs> let's leave it. So that was the take we... That was take five of doing this song. It, it we kept it because fantastic. of the echo. Yeah. It sounds so cool. Uh, I was, as you were telling that story, I was wondering, how does he remember all this? And then in the documentary, it says that you were never, you're never a party guy. So you no. have, so your brain is intact. It is. <laughs> I've had conversations with like Pete Townsend and guys like Roger Daltrey and, and Robert like, Plant. And I'd, I'd say, we met in 67 in England. We, we don't remember 67 to 71. I go, what? <laughs> I mean, these guys don't remember three years. It's nuts. No, I never drank or smoked or drugged. So I, I, and I have a phonographic memory. If I play a song once or hear it, I remember it. So it's, I've been well, very lucky. With your profession, that's a good, uh, that's a good thing to have yeah. for sure. Because I can't read music. So none of us can. So. <laughs> Are you now? This this went to number one in Canada. This song. Yes, we were called Chad Allen and the Reflections, mm -hmm. but there was a band called the Reflections had a hit called Just Like Romeo and Juliet. So we get a telegram from our label saying we love this. It sounds very British, and it was a copy of Johnny Kidd and the Pirates that had the hit in '61 in England. It was the number one hit in England. We're in Winnipeg, so nobody had heard the song. Right. We got the 45 from Chad Allen's cousin, so we were called Chad Allen and the Reflections. So when they said you have to change your name, we couldn't get a name. 
We went to the, you know, you go to the library. There was no internet. And you go to the library and you get books on butterflies and birds. <laughs> and it's all Orioles and the Ravens and all the doo-wop bands had all yeah. these names. So we called them back and said, we don't have a name. They said, we want to release it. They put out a white label that's just shaking all under, shaking all over. And under it, it had guess who? Question mark. Done. And it went to number one in Canada. And suddenly we were called guess who? Yeah. Scepter Records put it out, went top 20 in Billboard that year. And even in the end of the year in Billboard, it was in the top 100, which was a big deal. We were in high school. We had no idea what this meant, like money-wise and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And what did it mean money-wise? Probably not that much. 400 a night. Okay. But in high school, for that's four great. guys, yeah, my dad was making 65 a week with four sons. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm making more than my dad. And uh, so that was like a big criteria for me. And then we got asked to do the Kingsman Louis Louis tour in the summer of 65 with the Kingsman, Dion and the Belmonts, wow. and all these other bands like Jumping On in Memphis, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, and the Turtles were brand new with their first hit and things like that. It was an amazing time for us. It was like the rock and roll movies I saw, you know, Rocker on the yeah. Clock and Blackboard Jungle. Suddenly I, we were in those movies. And you, at that point, do you think, hey, we've made it? Cause like you have no idea what's to come. No, we thought we made it. Yeah. And you kind of had, I and mean, we at were, at, we were in New York city at Scepter studios, which had Dionne Warwick. Their songwriters were Backrack and David and Ashford and Simpson who came in and pitched songs to us and Dionne Warwick and everybody else. And it was just an amazing time. Wow. And we thought we'd made it. We got our first royalty check, first and last royalty check of $400 and got a hundred each and went to Times Square and went crazy. I still have what I bought at Times Square at that meeting, a what, little roll-on piece of luggage. You still have that I luggage? I have it, yeah. It's my first, it wasn't enough to buy a Cadillac, <laughs> I bought a little piece of roll-on luggage. And is, so, to see, this needs to be in the uh, Randy Bachman Museum, that's where that piece of yeah. luggage goes. How many, the, you show some of your guitars in the, uh, in the movie, how many, how many guitars do you have? If you were a woman, my answer would be, how many pairs of shoes do you have in your closet? Because <laughs> I have so many guitars, I can't count them. And there's always some in transit. Like, I buy them now, and I'll ship it home. So I sold 385 Gretches to Fred Gretsch for his Gretsch Museum. So that's now in Savannah, Georgia. You got I'm, rid of 385 guitars. Yes, yes. But my first guitar was a Gretsch. That was, that's what played on Shaking All Over. Same okay. guitar played on Taking Care of Business. And These Eyes and a lot of other songs. And then it was stolen from a hotel room. So in my quest to get this guitar back, mm -hmm. there was no internet then. You got little mailers from like Gruen Guitars or Norman's Rare Guitars here in LA. You'd get a monthly thing and you'd phone them up. Is this my Gretsch's that would look like this? And they said, no, and we don't care about Gretsch's, so we'll, we'll sell it to you for 150 bucks. So I started buying this with my midlife crisis. <laughs> this was my young blonde and a Corvette, but these were my, <laughs> my guitars. And I ended up with like dozens and dozens and then hundreds of them. And they, and they were only worth, like I said, $150, $200. Then when the Traveling Wilburys came out, they were doing their layout for Rolling Stone and Time Magazine Newsweek. They didn't want to stand there with normal strats and uh, Les Pauls, which right. all looked the same. They went to Norman's here in LA and got a silver sparkle Gretsch on a white Falcon and oranges. So suddenly there's Bob Dylan, all these guys with these colored Gretsches. And then MTV was starting yep. and you wanted colored guitars in your videos. And so suddenly everything I paid... For, for a Gretsch, you add a zero to the end or two zeros and 250 bucks becomes 2,500 or $25,000. Wow. That's excellent. And Fred Gretsch came to me and he said, I hear you have a lot of Gretsch guitars. And he came to my house and they were all over the wall. <laughs> he fainted. And he said, you know, Gibson's got a museum, Fender's got a museum. I've been to Germany, Hoffner's got a museum. You have my museum. Can I buy it? <laughs> so uh, I'm sure at this museum, you had, there's a plaque dedicated to you that says these are... Uh, at, at, from the in, Randy in the, Bachman yes, collection? Yes, it says it's my collection. There's yeah. a book coming out called the Randy Bachman Gretsch Collection. And Fred Gretsch loaned 150 of them, I think for two years, to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Nice. In Nashville. 
So everybody paid to get in and see those. That's amazing. And when you open these guitar, you open these cases, and it it felt like sometimes you didn't know what was in the case. You don't. You would open it so up. I go on the road. Like if I was playing eight gigs here in L.A. or San Diego mm-hmm. and back and forth, somebody would bring a guitar, and I'd say, "Great, how much do you want? I use my pretty money. I never use my <laughs> own real money." Because that would be cheating my family. It's sure. like gambling. Okay, if you're a gambler, you've got to have gambling money, not your rent money. So I'd buy these guitars and ship them home and forget about them. You go home after a 90-day tour, and it's like Christmas. There's all these things that arrive, and you're opening up going, wow, I didn't know I bought that. You know, that kind of stuff. Now see, just what you said there let, lets me know and lets the listeners know that you're like a true family man. Because other guys would be like, eh, they won't know how much I'm making. Yeah. But you used your per diem to buy a guitar, and you sent the money you were earning for... The yeah, home, yeah. you sent it home. Yeah. Good for you. That was my justification. <laughs> but well, then over the, well, then your wife is, isn't going to be mad at you for no, buying exactly, a guitar right. if you used your per diem. Yeah. Um, I, as I was and I wa- tripled my investment when I sold them to Fred Gretsch. Mm-hmm. Over 25 years of that insane collecting, I'd blown maybe 300 grand. Mm-hmm. And I sold it to Fred Gretsch for like three or four times that amount into the millions. It was in US investment. dollars, too. Investment. Yeah. Uh, as I watched the documentary, I thought... Randy needs to have a YouTube channel where every episode he just you open a guitar, oh. you show it, and you tell the story. That's of the my guitar. book. Every guitar tells a story. That's the book. Okay, right. I'm working on a actually a TV show or a DVD of doing oh, doing, doing just that. There you go. You're yeah. way ahead of me. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, okay. The next song, uh, I guess this one is credited to the guest who, and this one you wrote by yourself called "Believe Me." Wow. Let's hear this. Sounds very, a little bit like the Kinks here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This here is the story of my broken romance And how she decided give me just one more chance For her love to last till the end of my day And to get her back, these are the words that I had to say I'll always be your guy Believe me I'll never make you cry You hear that riff? Dun, yeah, da, da. Dun. I stole that. It's on by George. It's Taxman. I go, dot, da, da, da. It's a fast Texas shuffle, but I'm looking, how can I redo these George Harrison songs? Oh, this is my own riff. I'll steal it. I'll make it a shuffle. You purge from yourself. Yeah. That's good. I don't sue myself. Here's what Neil Young said. He's known you for 55 years. He said, you are far and ahead the most advanced guitar player he's ever seen. Wow. How about that? I think that's when, he, when we were younger and he was just starting and I had a two-year jump on him. He's one of my favorite guitar players. And so is like Eddie Van Halen. When you see these guys in the dressing room, they play amazing Segovia, you know what I mean? Incredible yeah. stuff. And, but on stage, they have to play their soul. Like right. Neil Young can play a two-note solo and it rips your heart apart because there's so much emotion in that wang bar that he's doing and his hair and his you know what i mean he creates his own wind machine wherever he is the wind's blowing his hair and stuff let's, there's something about the emotion of a few notes let's talk about van halen real quick because on the 5150 tour i saw bto open for van halen at the pittsburgh civic arena yeah about uh that was about 10 months out of my life yeah 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 was that a, was that rewarding for you did you guys like being it out was there? incredible i had met sammy and written some songs with sammy and he called me up and said i'm opening i'm replaced david lee roth <laughs> And we used to, normally Van Halen would have what they call a popcorn band. Yeah. Band that just plays a few covers and yeah, everyone's buying popcorn and merch, getting to their seats. And Sammy said, I want a band, I want a band to come out and do 30 minutes of face kicking rock. And when I come on stage, I don't want anyone yelling, where's Dave? 
Right. We just want to go right into why can't this be lunch? I mean, why can't this be lunch? <laughs> we used to call it taking care of breakfast and why can't this be lunch? And uh, that was the tour and it was fantastic. But an amazing thing happened on that tour. I think it was the World's Fair was going on in Knoxville, Tennessee or something was going on. We're in the basement of a hotel. Okay. My phone rings. It's like three in the morning. Randolph. Like nobody called me Randolph <laughs> except my mother when I'm bad. Randolph. So it's Randolph. Yes. Edward. And nobody called Eddie Edward. No. Can you come to my room? Well, aren't you in there with Val? He was courting Valerie Bertinelli at the time. Yeah. Something just happened. Oh, okay. Like I go down to his room and he's in tears. He's got a little acoustic guitar and he said, my best friend just passed away who I went to high school with. Oh, no. He had all of Van Halen albums in his lap. And on his journey right now to heaven, I want to play for him. And I go, what? And he said, I want you to sit here. So we're sitting in the hallway of this, whatever the hotel was, out in the hallway. And he gets classical guitar. And he's playing the most amazing stuff for his friend wow. ascending. And the doors are opening where some guy's going to yell, like, what's going on? It's like now <laughs> three in the morning. And they look and they see me sitting there and Eddie Van Halen sitting there playing this amazing stuff. And I never had a tape recorder. I wasn't expecting yeah. this. It was the most amazing hour of my life. That's and he is sitting there in tears and very emotional yeah. and playing his face off and heart out. And I had this wonderful experience with basically one of the world's greatest guitar players. Why do you think that Eddie's never made a, a, a musical, an instrumental album on his own? He's obviously... He Got said it, it all in two songs. One was 20 <laughs> seconds long. But Spanish Fly and some of those things. Well, you could say it all in yeah. two or three seconds, or 20 or 30 well, seconds. That's true. I love Spanish Fly, too. I well, love me that. Me, too. I, still pl I play it all the time. I like, radio it, show. I, like it one better, I like it better than Eruption, to be honest. I, yeah. think, I think it's fantastic. But both of those, or if you see him alone where he goes and sits on the edge of the stage, he does a 10 or 15-minute thing. That is yeah. like a guitar lesson. Same thing with Brian May. Queen stops playing. He does like a 10 or 15-minute thing. It's like... Oh wow! If I could only play half of this, or play you know thirty seconds of this stuff, this is where they really show off. It's where they yeah. really shine because there's no restrictions of uh, tempo or a song that they got to fit into. Are there guitarists that you look at, even though you are an, an amazing guitarist, no doubt? You look at other guitarists and go, "Oh, I wish I could play like that guy." Mm -hmm. That's crazy because you're great. Well, everybody's different. <laughs> right. Everybody has a style. Right. You get put into a style. Yeah. I grew up playing violin from five to 14. So everything you play in violin is pretty much long notes. And I mm -hmm. loved the viola because when you're five, you get a little half-size violin. Then you get bigger like me, you get a full-size violin. Then you get bigger, you get a viola, which is a little bit bigger than a violin. Right. So I always loved that sound. So when I got a guitar and I do a solo, rather than be like Hendrix, I'd rather be like old Clapton slow hand, just a note that's that just kind of hangs in the air yeah. and you're waiting for the next note. And when it comes, it's good because it's another note hanging, waiting. It's like smelling dinner, mm -hmm. but you can't eat till you sit down and your mom won't let you taste anything. And so I started to play like slower and I invented this noise that became the American woman tone. I think everybody calls the woman tone on American woman. Yeah. And it's like, doo, 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 doo. if you ever see a cable guy with, with uh, Michael Carey and uh, uh, Jim Carrey, Ferris Bueller, and, yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey and Ferris Bueller. Um, you know Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Matt, Matthew Matt, Broderick. Yeah. They, in the middle, they have this party, and they go, Randy Bachman, doo doo and they sing that line. And that was a big thrill for me. Let's hear a little bit. Since you brought it up, let's just hear American Woman. Let's hear, let's hear this woman tone. Let's 
so good. Number one Thank in the you. U.S. and Canada. This was a band composition. You guys all collaborated Well, it on started this. as a jam session. Okay. I had broken a string. The band left the stage. I tuned up the guitar. I'm on my knees in front of Burton's piano because we didn't have a tuner. Mm-hmm. So I'm tuning to his piano. When you have a piano player, you always tune to the keyboard, right? The organ or the piano. And I start to play that riff. I'm alone on stage on my knees, and the audience is talking. This is a dance in Canada in a curling club on the, on the ice. Um, and everybody's head snaps around. I go, oh, my God, I can't forget this riff. So I stand up, and I'm playing. Dun, 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 dun. And I motion to the drummer to come on stage, and the bass player, and they get on stage. And the last guy on stage is Burton. He goes, what is this? It's great. And I said, sing something. <laughs> sing anything. And we had, all, we had tried to go to the States on that trip, uh-huh. and we had green cards, and they tried to draft us. This is the late 60s, oh and everybody's God. being drafted for yeah. Vietnam. And so the guy said, you know, turn left and go back to Canada because now they're going to be chasing you. They took my nephew two days ago. He turned 18. They took my son last year. He was killed in Vietnam. We never saw him again. Oh, and so go back to Canada. Yeah. We go back home and get a gig. And so the first thing Burton thought of was American woman, stay away from me, which is basically not the woman on the street. It's the Statue of Liberty. Oh, and nice. that Uncle Sam wants you, that poster with yeah, the yeah, yeah. guy with the goatee and the stars and stripes mm-hmm. hats. That's what we were afraid of, the, the American woman, the whole thing of this invisible person who takes you and you go fight in a jungle somewhere for no reason. You don't know why. Exactly. Yeah. The, um, uh, as you said, are you talking about uncle Sam? If you put a stars and stripes hat on right now, you would, I was going to say, it just looks like me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about this. 28 years after you record American woman, another fella does a a pretty hot cover of it. Play a little bit of this. And then I want to ask what you thought the first time you heard this. When someone covers a song that you've had a number one hit with, what did you think about when you first heard Lenny Kravitz's version? Well, it was pretty amazing. A a lime green CD came to my house. Okay. And on it was one, American Woman, two, American Woman, three, American... And Lenny had done them on his computer at home. Okay. Sent it to Mike Myers, who we know because he's a Canadian guy from Toronto, and said, which version do you like? Like, what? What's this for? It's for Austin Powers. And he'd had the original guest who went in, but he wanted Lenny to do a new version, I think, for the closing credits. Yeah. So I picked one or two that I liked. They took that one. Timbaland did the really great mix that mm-hmm. was the, the radio hit. And then we got to do the Much Music Video Awards up in Canada with Lenny Kravitz, which wow. was amazing. Burton Cummings and him doing goodbye, gotta go, gotta leave back and forth. And I said to him, why didn't you play my guitar line, the doo-doo, which is the, one of the signature lines? He said, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get the tone. <laughs> what were you using? So I was using this little homemade box. So I sent him one. So I have this little homemade box that gets that American woman tone. So I sent one to Lenny, one to Neil Young, one to Bob Rock, one to a guy in Nashville. There's only a few that exist. That's amazing. I, I love Lenny's version. I, I mean, nothing touches the original, but he made it his own. And, he made it his own. And yeah. suddenly I was hip with my daughter who was like 13 <laughs> at the time, and all her friends at school going, what, you wrote the Lenny Kravitz song? Like, they didn't like my version, they liked his. <laughs> they liked his version. Because he's like a great-looking GQ kind of guy, right? Yeah. His hair and his body and his clothes. He's like I just saw 10 him, out of 10. I guy. just saw him a couple months ago live, and he still looks it's great. incredible, he's, yeah. He's made a deal with the devil, I think, on yes. those looks. 
The Dick Clark deal. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> he still got the abs and opens yeah. the shirt, and I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in this documentary, your son says pays you a, a very high compliment. He says every single solo you ever played in any of your songs was the perfect solo for that song. What can I say? What can you say? I mean. Well, he's the first one to hear it. What else can he say? Like, mom, you make the perfect perfect macaroni and cheese, mom, since he hadn't had tasted any other. What I took from it was during his youth, he just kind of took it for granted because he would hear it all the time. But now that he he does music. He's in my band now touring. So now he's like, oh, wow, that's what my dad does. You know? Well, I had a really great guitar teacher who said to me, you'll never be the greatest guitar player in town. There'll always be a faster gun that comes Mm -hmm. in like the Wild West. So learn to write good songs. Songs start forever. And when you get a chance to play in a song, don't go crazy playing every note and scale you know. Think of something to fit in there, like a jazz guy would do. That's counter the melody and play your own melody and that'll be memorable. So when I do a solo, it's very melodic and it's very slow. Like I said, the slow hand. And near the end, I might get a little bit faster because you're going up higher in the neck and you kind of compose the solo, which is what George Harrison did, which is what I liked about him. Most of his solos were composed that you could sing a solo. You can sing the solo in Taxman or, or, you know what I mean, or Day Trip or whatever. There's very singable. It's not a guy playing scales or whatever, these pentatonic things. I don't even understand any of this stuff. But you play something that's an, another melody. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's great when you hear real musicians playing real music. That, that mean, comes that's from the, the best. Yeah. That's why I always like Prince. He, uh, last night I recorded yeah. the closing song for the Prince documentary. Really? Yeah, here in LA at Robbie Krieger's studio. Did you see have you did you see the whole documentary? No? I got done yet. Amazing. I was interviewed for it, uh-huh. as were many other people. And then I said I've written this song. I have written with Amy Winos, who passed away, and it's go blame it on the dream. And it's about the dream we have and then what can go wrong with the dream. So we set up last night and we had like da- Danny Seraphine, Chicago's drummer, sure. and the living color bass bass player there and everybody in the wow. studio and we did several songs we did like door songs we did american woman with this girl singing who was amazing she had won american idol so she did if you heard kelly clarkson do american woman and she opened the country music awards it was more aretha and the guess who mixed together wow so all that's going to be in and we're doing the thing for also robbie krieger's behind uh, music in the schools bring back music mm-hmm. to the schools and they've done that in canada i'm part of that in canada called music cares and even though it's after hours the kids stay till six or seven at night. <laughs> right. They don't yeah. care about school. They no. just can't wait till band starts. And we're not putting in a band saying, oh, by the way, we're missing a tuba player. You got to play a tuba. You come in with your rock guitar, your drumstick, and you get to play what you want, not in a marching band. You know right. what I mean? Playing a rock and tuba or, or one of these Celeste kind of things, which you don't want to play. Did you, so, ever, did you ever think after all this time that you would still get to g- do cool stuff like what you just told us you did last night? That's, that's awesome. No, it, as it comes up, I'm still quite amazed. Yeah. I just finished nine dates with Leonard Skinner in Canada where my band was opening. We opened for them. Now they've, they came and said it was so great. I hadn't played with them since the 70s. Yeah. And they want us to do a couple more U.S. dates. It's their last final tour, which is three years long. But so is Elton John's farewell tour. <laughs> right. Everyone's farewell tour yeah. is years and years long. Yeah. Did, um, the first and farewell tour. That's how I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to. I, I have a feeling you're never going to announce a farewell tour. You're just going to keep doing Probably it. Probably not. Yeah. Until whenever. Yeah. Just play less and less and ask for more and more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's everybody's dream, right? Yeah, well, sure. Less, yeah, yeah. More money for less work. Uh, let's hear another classic song from the Guess Who, written by uh, Randy and Burton Cummings. And I love this song. Went to number seven in Canada, number six in the U.S. Uh, These Eyes. Thank you. 
bass is so awesome. Amazing. These eyes cry every night for you. These arms long to hold you. That song is big in Jamaica because of the bass. <laughs> oh, really? All the guys love that tune. They just love that thing. Yeah. The um, I mean, what's it like to you know? Some people would 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 cut their arm off to to write two, one or two classic songs. You've got you've got half, you've got a dozen or more classic well, songs. When we played with Lynn and Skinner, they said we want you to do a forty minute set. So I said to my manager, let's send them my set list of 18 hit songs. Could we include She's So High, my son's hit, the, yeah, and Shake yeah, yeah, It All Over, yeah. which I didn't write, but that's part of my catalog. And they sent back and said, okay, you can have 55 minutes. And we stretch it to 58. <laughs> We're just off stage within an hour. But we go out and we literally hit you in the face with the 18 hit songs. Like it's a shovel yeah. in the face, then a sledgehammer, and then a boot, and just get hit, hit, hit with hit songs. And are you singing these songs? Yeah, I sing about half. I sing the BTO songs. Mm -hmm. My bass player has a very high tenor voice. He does the Burton, some of the Burton Cummings songs. Okay, and then your son sings. He his sings. Song. She's so high, and he's uh, he's integral part of the band. He plays great guitar, and he also plays keyboards. So I'll tell a story. He'll go over and start these eyes. He'll play it on Shaking All Over, and he comes back and plays it on Taking Care of Business. Sweet. So he's kind of like a multi-purpose guy. And then when he sings, the audience is probably like. Wait, that's Randy's son? Yeah. I know that tune. I've had yeah. DJs say that we never put two and two together and go, well, what's two and two? It's Bachman and Bachman, right? <laughs> right. Bachman and Bachman, right? Ever. You never think. You never uh, think. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's hear, uh, well, first I want to ask you, you handpicked Burton Cummings to be the vocalist for the right. Guess Who. Where did you find him? Where did you see him first? The summer that I mentioned earlier, where we got asked to do the Louis Louis tour, Chad Allen was our lead singer. He sang on Shake On All Over. Yeah. And when we came back from that summer, he said, nobody knows who I am. I want to go back to university. I want to get a degree. They were all calling us, guess who and who's on first. Remember mm -hmm. the Evan Costello routine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, nobody knows who I am anymore. So when we left town, we were the top band in town. We played all the high schools and all the dances yeah. and everything. He wasn't thinking big picture. Chad wasn't, I don't no, think. He no, he had no idea. We had no idea. Yeah. So when we left town, all the other bands moved up a notch. So Burton Cummings and the Devrons moved up, Neil Young and the Squires, <laughs> Fred Turner and the Rockin' Devils. Everybody moved up. I have gone to these guys over the year and collaborated with Fred in back with Turner Overdrive and Burton and Neil Young. It sounds like I you said, stole some of these guys we along did. the way. Yeah, the, <laughs> it's like a, you call it a merger, but you fire all the other guys, you just get one you guy. One guy. So uh, we actually, we broke up the Devrons. Burton joined our band. He was 18 when you played Believe Me. He was 18 when he sang that. He was still 18 when he sang These Eyes. That's because his voice is so mature, if that's the word I'll use, mature. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. Well, the reason we got him in the band is he could do ballads. He was Irish. Mm -hmm. And he could sing Danny Boy, which my mother loved. <laughs> he also, at the time, would do, there is a house in New Orleans. He would do Eric Burden and stuff. And we want, I wanted a rough voice and a soft voice. This was in one guy who also had been playing piano since he was five. I've been playing violin since I was five. Our drummer and the guests who've been playing drums since he was three. When we got to be teenagers, we hit our tipping point. We'd hit our ten or 12,000 hours of playing and practicing. When other guys would want to start a band, they're learning three chords. Yeah. We had been playing 
30, 30 chords for like 10 or 15 years. So we just started a band and we just clicked. We, we knew we could hear a song once and play it immediately on the radio. And, and you can tell because those, those songs aren't just simple rock and roll songs. There's so much depth and heart and soul in all those songs. It's well, we put a lot into them. And Burton and I would get together every Saturday and say, let's copy this song. And it'd be a Bacharach and David song. Okay. And it would be like These Eyes. So when you listen to these eyes, it sounds like a very smooth, easy song. When you try to sing it, it's like trying to sing a Roy Orbison song. There's yeah. four octaves there. You can't sing it. It goes up and up and up and up, and then starts over and goes up and up again. And the chords in there, I never dreamed. I didn't even know what they were called. But it goes, da-da-da-da-da-da. That's an F major seventh with a G on the bottom. And that's a very strange thing to do yeah. in 1968 rock and roll. Now everybody does that kind of in jazz. So a lot of these things were just accidental that sounded good in our head. And the engineer on that was Phil Ramone. He was like brand new. He did it at his studio in New York City. So that's why it still sounds super great today on yeah. the radio. I mean, he worked with Simon Garfunkel and yeah. Billy Joel for all those yeah. years. The, um, and well, that's why you and Burton are in the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, because of songs like this. And what's great about these songs is you can listen to it like, you know, all this time later, and then all of a sudden hear something that you didn't hear in all the listens that yeah. you've done, you'll be yeah. like, wait a minute, I never heard that before. When a remastered version comes out and something's boosted, yeah. same with the Beatles stuff. So much stuff got masked because something was one decibel louder in a frequency. Mm -hmm. And now that it's sorted out sort of digitally, you hear different things in the Beatles stuff that you didn't know was there. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Do you like when they go back and remaster the stuff or do you like it? To be I like it because it's better fidelity, but mm -hmm. I also like to be there saying it shouldn't sound that way. Right. Some you, guy, you know, boosting the top end or the bottom end because he likes hip-hop and hip-hop's all kick drum and bass you know right. like synth bass i gotta have the balance of chuck berry or the beatles you know everything kind of perfectly balanced so i like to be there we just we just did a remastering of a eight bto albums that's coming out in a box set oh i was my part God. of that and they're really good because when you do albums over six years they all sound different yeah now when they're all remastered now they're all gonna have the same level the same top and bottom there's gonna be continuity in yeah. the sound yeah i mean when when the musicians that made the music are still walking the earth why wouldn't you bring them in to be hands-on with remastering exactly. and stuff? Yeah, why doesn't make you, any sense. Why don't you call me? Yeah, I produced it. I wrote it. Why are you getting your twenty-year-old nephew yeah. to master our records? Yeah, they just did the Cars catalog, and Rick, Rick Ocasek was in there. He, you know, he, yeah. that's his stuff. Yeah, so good. I can't wait to hear that BTO stuff because the stuff that is out now on CD, it's you know, it is what it is. It's been out for a right. long time, and it needed a it needed a boost. So yeah. I can't wait to hear that stuff. When is that coming out? Well, there's Guess Who stuff's coming out all the time. The BTO yeah. box set's coming out in the next couple of months. Cool. We're working on Live in Japan now, which was a two and a half hour concert at the, at the Budokan. And they only put it a single disc way back then. And the songs were like five minutes long. So there's three songs on the side, one yeah. songs. And we were playing with my own brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I do my backpacking and my tour bus with my band. Yeah. Which is kind of a chosen family rather than a forced family. But I'm looking at some gigs with Burton in the future. Cool. Yeah. And if you and obviously if you guys and I don't know why the Guess Who or BTO are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or not even have you I don't even think you've been Two mentioned words, yet. Two words. Jan Werner. See, that's what every everyone I have on here that that I feel should be in, they always that's what they always say, Jan Werner. I mean, what the He owns the name. He owns the whole franchise. If he doesn't like you, you're on in the club. And that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I won't swear, but I'll say, what the F? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, WTF. Yeah, WTF. The W2F Hall of Fame. <laughs> and if you, uh, so obviously, if, if the Guess Who was, was in, you, 
you guys, you and Burton would play, no problem. Everything would be cool. I don't even know if I'd go. It's like, there's been so many slaps in the face. I mean, I know everybody who's got yeah. in, and I don't begrudge that. Right. But when I look at what I've accomplished, and like my buddy Neil Young's in three times solo, yeah. and then Springfield and Crosby Stills mm-hmm. National Young, yeah. because JW likes Neil. Right. And he doesn't like me, and yeah. I really should have been in for the Guess Who and BTO, Absolutely. maybe even for my own stuff. I don't know. I don't care. Well, but I would it doesn't say, matter anymore. I would say if it, if, when it happens, think about going for the fans, because that's, think about that, because that's who would want to see you. Well, I know the fans have been circulating this thing. It's up yeah. to like 4 million signatures yeah. at all classic rock radio stations for the last 10 years on yeah. just either me representing the band or both bands. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And uh, I guarantee it'll be nothing. <laughs> well, that would be sad. And I hope when it does hope happen, I hope you're around to either say yes or say. Yeah, I hope it's not a posthumous thing like right, in, in right. 50 years. That's what I hate about the Rock and I've got to outlive Jan Werner, you see. that's Yeah. <laughs> like, yes got in after Chris Squire had passed. Right. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, with the, the, you could, the, and Leonard Cohen got in, who's never really rocked in his life. Yeah, and he's so, a friend of mine and a great poet. But, but it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame. All right. Uh, I'm just going to name a couple more songs. Laughing, Undone. Let's hear Undone because Randy wrote that on his own. She's come undone. She didn't know what she was headed for. And when I found what she was headed for, it was too late. Come she found a mountain that was far too high And when she found out she couldn't fly It was too late It's too late She's gone too far She's lost the sun She's come undone she And then you spelled this U-N-D-U-N yeah, I was way ahead of the curve there on... <laughs> You remember, thank you for letting me be myself again. It was one long yeah, word. Yeah, f- fancy, some fancy writing there. That title came from Bob Dylan, who said those words in Ballad in Plain D. She came undone. Whoa. <laughs> Wrote the whole song. I'm going to do one more uh, song by the Guess Who before we move on. This is, uh, I guess this is kind of, uh, you, were, you were on your way out. This was like your goodbye, I guess. Uh, no Sugar Tonight. Yeah. and it, That was a number one song. Number Double one A side with yeah. American Woman, yeah number one in Canada and the USA, and this is written by Randy Bachman, No Sugar Tonight. Lonely feeling Deep inside Find a corner Where I can hide Silent footsteps Crowding me Sudden darkness But I can see No sugar tonight in my coffee no sugar tonight in my tea. No sugar to stand beside me. No sugar to run with me. Such a great song. Thank you. Great, great songs. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Rock Solid listeners, sorry for the interruption, but I just wanted to quickly tell you about the film project I shot last August with my friend Aaron Gould. The film is called Uplift. It's a documentary, and what we did is we traveled coast to coast, Santa Monica Pier to Boston Harbor, and we traveled exclusively by lift. 
We were through 13 states in eight days. We had 30 drivers. And along the way, we interviewed all the drivers. And it was such a blast that I can't wait for everyone to see this film. We had uh, a cross-section of America that was amazing. Black, white, gay, straight, young, old men, women, uh, conservatives, liberals. I mean, it was really... It was amazing. I couldn't ask for a better group of drivers and people to spend time with. But right now, what we need is we need some support to finish the film. So we've started an Indiegogo campaign, and so far we've achieved 25% of our goal, but we're looking for that other 75. So we still have, I think, about three weeks left. And I hate to double dip with the Patreon supporters, but I know that we have many, many listeners out there that don't support the show through Patreon, and maybe they'd like to support this project. It's not a music-related project, but uh, it's it's great. If you go over to the Indiegogo campaign and just watch our teaser trailer, I think you'll be sold. I think you'll, you'll be as excited as I am. Uh, the way to find out about it is if you're on Twitter, go to at UpliftDoc course lift is with a y and if you want to go to the indiegogo page just google uplift doc indiegogo campaign you probably throw my name in there pat francis and and you'll find it pretty quickly or just email me rocksolidpodcast at gmail.com and i'll send you a link and tell you how you can support the project uh all amounts are welcome it's really the small amounts in my opinion that uh that really do the trick because if everyone that's listening to this right now would just go over and throw five bucks at the film, uh, we would reach this goal in, uh, in a day for sure. So that's enough from me. Let's get back to the real reason you're here, and that's to listen to music and some of our jackassery. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. So um, for you, the, you were... The guests who the other members of the guests who were indulging a little bit in some uh, in whatever and what the, what the rest of the world was indulging in sure. in the late sixties yeah but you you were uh, you were raised Mormon no no you weren't raised Mormon but you were a Mormon at the time I converted to get married okay to a Mormon chick and, and I didn't care yeah I didn't drink or smoke anyway so when they said our rules are this great I can join so it has club. It had nothing to do with religion it's just that's how you were anyway yeah yeah okay it was. cool. All right. I was allergic to smoke. Mm-hmm. I saw what drinking did to every. I drank for a while and yeah. ran over my own foot with a car. And that, my dad told me he was ashamed. I was a drunk. I never drank since then. Yeah. I was 22. So that was my last drink. And I, I never smoked. I never did drugs. I saw how crazy it made guys taking acid and leaping off a building thinking they were Superman and landing on a phone booth and breaking their legs. Yeah. I saw this idiocy Who happening. Who that? Oh, this was at a party in Winnipeg. I'm, well, I'm the third I'm, story. A guy goes <laughs> on the balcony. He says, I can fly. And he jumps. He lands on a phone booth which hits him in the crotch and his leg goes through the top and he's shattered for life. And for, I don't want it. Why would I take that drug? Who wants that? So I, it always amazes me when any musician or singer smokes. I mean... Oh, me too. The, I mean... I keep saying, how many people run down the street, see a burning building, run in, take a couple of deep breaths, <laughs> and choke and go and say, I want to go back in. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> All right. So uh, you, you, leave, you leave the guess who. They keep going. But yeah. you, and you want to do now you want to do your own thing and is it do you want to you well wanna... i couldn't do i couldn't be a second rate guess who okay burton cummings is one of the greatest voices in rock he's up there with plant and you know steven tyler and Absolutely. guys like that and um so i didn't want to be a second rate guess who 
Uh, Neil Young came back to town. He had the Buff Springfield had broken up. I'm hanging out with him. And I say, I want to do like country rock like Buffalo Springfield, who broke up too soon as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Poco was big then and other bands. And so I said, I just want to do country rock. We came up with a name. He got me a deal with Reprise, his label in, uh, in L.A. And I had a band called Brave Belt with the same guy, Chad Allen, who was on one album. And then we had to go on the road. He quit. So I got Fred Turner in the band, just like I got Cummings. I go to yeah. my, the go guys to I know, list. Neil Young helps me put this together. I go to Fred Turner. We become Backman Turner Overdrive. So Brave Belt 3, we changed our name to Backman Turner Overdrive. Okay. That was the first album. And you get Fred in there with a the Harley Davidson voice singing Let It Roll Down the Highway and Let It Ride. I had a vehicle for my songs. And I, I was the relief pitcher, the relief singer, uh -huh. you know, when Fred would sing too many songs. Well, let's hear uh, Let It Ride, written by uh, Bachman and Turner, and number three in Canada, number uh, 23 in the USA. Let's hear it. Uh, that Fred Turner voice, that's, yeah. that's rock and roll. I know. Without a doubt. The Harley Davidson yeah. voice. You hear so, that, and it's, it's undeniable. It's big, yeah. I liked it because he sang like John Fogarty in a way. Yeah, 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 he, he does. He sang like Eric Burden in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely hear the Fogarty in there. I never thought of that before. Let's hear, uh, let's hear from 74, uh, written by you. And there's, now, the, taking care of business, there's a line in the song that your dad would say. Yeah, you like to work at nothing all day. Now, does he get some publishing on this song? No, no, no. no he got it rubbed <laughs> in his face. <laughs> I do work at nothing all day, but I'm thinking. I'm, people think musicians, I mean, when you're a musician, it's like, it's in your head. I have a yeah. jukebox in my head. Like, if I'm with somebody, like a woman, and she'd say, you're not listening to me, then they learn to say, what song's going on in your head? Gotcha. And you sing the song, they go, did you make that up? And you go, I don't know. And you play the song and people go, that's great. Did you make it up? And you say, I think so. And it's your song until somebody sues you because you don't know where you hear things from or I don't know where they come from. Some things you make up, but you don't know literally where they come from. I've co-written with some of the greatest guys in the world who I've never met, who wrote a song, sent it to me, mm -hmm. and I've changed the lyrics or made it my own. Uh, there's a song, an Alice Cooper album that I wrote with Alice Cooper and some guy named John James and Bob Ezrin and we didn't sit in the room together. I just took a song I heard from a demo cassette, uh -huh. played part of it, put it on a BTO album, and I got a letter from a lawyer saying, you took part of the song, and I go, oh yeah, you're right, no contest. Well, instead of suing each other, why don't we add you as a writer yeah. on this version, on this album, and you get one cent for every million copies, it doesn't matter, you're not sued. And, yeah, you're, you're, and you're not paying the lawyers right, uh, exactly. to work it out. Yeah. That's a good idea. Let's hear Taking Care of Business.
Now, Randy, the next song I want to play, this song just came out a few years ago, came around, out around the holidays. And a friend of mine sent me this song. He purchased it on iTunes and had it sent to me. And I open up and I read Taking Care of Christmas. Mm. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. When in my head, I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be a disaster. Because I'm thinking, this is, I'm thinking my friend sent it to me as a joke. Yeah. And then I hear it. And it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Cool. This uh, you nailed it. We we do a Christmas episode every year, and I think we've played. I think we play this almost every year. Yeah. So let's hear it. That's I, nice. I love it. The lyrics are perfect. It gets me in a good mood. It gets me thinking about some uh, some eggnog and or yeah. some hot chocolate and decorating the tree. Let's hear "Taking Care of Christmas." It's the time of year again to get some paper and a pen and write your Christmas letter to Saint Nick. special toys under your tree and he'll be taking care of christmas every day taking care of christmas in his sleigh taking care of christmas and doing it right merry christmas to all and to all a good night i love it isn't it makes, that a great line yeah. doing it right merry christmas to all and to all a good night and all a good night i, I, I love it <laughs> who's the female vocalist on that song beverly mahood a friend of mine from canada sounds great and the bgvs and the thing are all my grandkids singing taking care of christmas it's so it was fun. my daughter's idea to do it i got asked to to contribute to a mm. Christmas album for a hospital charity in Winnipeg. Okay. And one of my favorite songs is Oh Holy Night, and I can't, I'm not a singer. So I'm trying to do an instrumental, and it sounds like Joe Cetrani, and it doesn't sound right. So I say, I'm not going to be on this album. And my daughter, who at the time was like 10 or 11, said, why don't you do Taking Care of Christmas? You've always been joking, Taking Care of Breakfast. <laughs> right. Why don't you do Taking Care of Christmas? And write a verse about Santa, and then mm. the next verse is giving away. If you play the second verse uh -huh. in this, don't forget the girls and boys who don't have a lot of toys. Yeah. It's up to you to make their Christmas great. Great, Give them some food, give them some toys. Yeah. And so I did that and it just, it fit perfectly. It fits perfectly. And it's, it's just, it really, I mean, I was smiling as we're playing it. It just makes you feel good. Thank you. I love it. Good job. Thanks. Um, let's hear, what's my next one I want to hear? You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Again, number one, Canada and the US. 22 countries, number one. Across the board, everywhere. Yeah. Everyone knows this song. Yeah. Is, do you think this is your most, this got to be your most recognized song? It's the most famous song. song, and the label isn't smart enough to backsell taking care of business around the world. They should have. Yeah. That was out ahead of it. It was a hit here, but in Europe, they don't know TCB, but they know Yasni, as we call it. It's like bull rap. <laughs> yeah. Mine's Yasni. <laughs> Let's hear, uh, written by Randy Bachman, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. That was a reject from the album. 
Now, <laughs> Wait, what? Then how does it get on the? If it's rejected, who rejected it? I did. The guitar. You have the guitar. It's not in tune. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm singing about. I, w- I produced the band, so I would go in with a jam track mm-hmm. that had a nice jangly chorus, a verse like "Let It Ride," yeah, and then a heavy part in the middle. Counter, to counterbalance it yeah and so we do this track i had three brothers we teased each other my brother stuttered so i thought i'm going to stutter on this track send it to my brother wait a go, minute you're na 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 this is going to be in a, it was not to be how, in an album how mean are siblings with each other oh you bet i mean you know you know you short sheet the bed and all yeah. that stuff or put a snake a garden snake oh in his bed God. and stuff like that so but i i say to him it's going to be an album it's not to be on the album i've only mixed a cassette the head of our label flies in. He hears the album. He goes, pretty good. I like Rolling on the Highway. I like Sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. I don't hear a song to get you on Top 40 Radio. I need something to follow. Let it ride and taking care of business, which was on BTO2. Yeah. And I say, that's it. We, we have a week at home. We have three days with our wives and kids, and we're on the road for another 90 days. We'd come off a 90-day tour mm-hmm. and another 90-day tour. And uh, the engineer says, play him the throwaway track. And Charlie says, what do you mean? There's another track. I said, no, it's a throwaway. I haven't even tuned my guitar yet. So he listened to the guitars out of tune really badly in the lead thing there. And I played for him. He said, it's charming. Let's put it on the album. That's the first BTO album with a ninth song because they each had four aside. Yeah. When you're dealing with vinyl, you've got to be like under 21 minutes. Right. So we took the four longest ones on one side, took the five shorter ones, fit that in. We put it near the end. He started to play, call me saying they're playing it all over the place. Wow. And he said, I discovered Maggie May for Rod Stewart and blah, blah, blah. So believe me, this is going to be a career song for you. And he put it out. And I, like I said, it sold a million copies that's here incredible. and in Canada and in England, went to number one in 22 countries. Now that's when you have to step back and go. I know. Um, what do, I know nothing about the music business. Like, you know? I, I thought I had this thing wired and yeah. now, no, I guess I don't. When, uh, when you think about yourself, because you, you, know, you write, you play guitar, you produce, you do all these things. What what do you think of yourself as? If someone was, if you were supposed, if you were going to put a label on yourself, what would you call yourself? Um, a songwriter who couldn't get anyone to do his songs, who ended up doing them himself, <laughs> okay. or got a band, his own band, to do them. Mm-hmm. To great then success. other people, once it was a hit, other people did them. Right. But uh, my dream has always been to be a songwriter. I write a song, I pitch it to you. You become Celine Dion or Michael Bublé or whatever, and they and, and they, you and do they my song. It. Yeah, and you record it, and I make money by staying home writing songs. I haven't been home since I was 18. <laughs> I, guess, I guess only you can, can record your own songs. I guess that's the Well, nobody the can thing. stop you. No, well, that's true. You record them <laughs> blindly and, and amazingly enough. If you, do it, if you do it with enough love and passion, mm-hmm. you get better than the next guy who, in fact, gives up. Right. That's and so true. the will to succeed will succeed. So if that's your goal and your plan B is to stick to plan A, and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Sooner or later, you get 51% and you pass. If you get 49, two points away, you flunk. Yeah. If you get two more points, you get 51, you have a hit record. And then maybe you go up to 90%. More and more people kind of jump on board. Because the more you get airplay you get, the more sales you get, and the more airplay you get. And it's a snowball effect. Right. Is to get one. If you see Bohemian Rhapsody, nobody would play the record. Some guy in New York played bull rap, the phones lit up. It was a un- very unlikely hit. It has no chorus, no verses, and a zillion words. And everybody everywhere knows every word. It's an amazing song. My, my youngest has known it since she was 10 years old. She, yeah. doesn't, she doesn't know what she's singing. She, exactly. But she sings it. Right. Uh, speaking of, uh, of playing, your publicist is here, Sharon Johnson. And she said, she said do you have a guitar because Randy likes to play? Oh. And I said, well, I'll bring, I'll bring my guitar from my garage. You might have to tune it. And, uh, and you did tune it a little. How's it sound? What do we got? Good. So what are you going to play? Are you gonna, oh, is it, I you thought you were going to request something. Well, I'll let you know. You can play anything you want. 
I'll be, I'll be, I'll be impressed and amazed with whatever happens. <sighs> you got me surprised. <laughs> well, it's good. So you're the original. They get up in the morning from the alarm clock's warning. Take the eight fifteen into the city. There's a whistle up above and people pushing, people shoving, and the girls who try to look pretty. And if your train's on time, you can get to work by nine and start your slaving job to get your pay. If you ever get annoyed, look at me, I'm self-employed. I love to work at nothing all day. White collar Now, see, you're laughing. I wrote that to be called White Collar Worker, and it was okay. a copy of Paperback Writer. All right. And when I played it for Burton Cummings, he said, gag me with a drumstick. We'll never do that song. Your verses are great. They're Chuck Berry and Johnny B. Good lyrics, yeah. but you got to change your hook. And I said, well, I'm copying Paperback Writer, so it's White Collar Worker, right? White Collar Worker, White Collar Worker. So you got to change that. So that never made it on the next three Guess Who albums, on American uh, Wheatfield Soul, Canned Wheat, or American Woman. I pitch it to Brave Belt. It doesn't make it on Brave Belt 1 or 2 or 3, which is BTO 1. Right. They all say the same thing. Your verses are great. Change the hook. There's, your hook's like you're going to get sued by Lennon and McCartney. So going to a gig one night, DJ comes on the air and goes, this is Daryl B. on Fun Radio. We're taking care of business. I go, wow, what a great song title. That night on stage, Fred Turner says... I can't sing anymore. I lost my voice. So he can't sing. I've got to go sing on stage. I figure this is my big chance for a white-collar worker. The band has said no six times. <laughs> They're my hostage on stage. People are dancing. It's a rock and roll club. And so I start white-collar worker. Instead of doing that white-collar worker, I just slide right into the thing. I heard the DJ say, taking care of business. And I do every day. And that become, we played for 30 minutes. Wow. We finished the night, everybody's going nuts over the song. It was the same electricity as on stage going. Suddenly, the angels have said, you poor sod, you've been trying so long to write a hit song. Here's a little taste of something, and you write American Woman. And that's the same kind of vibe feeling I had putting together these. I co-wrote the song with myself, like yeah. five years apart, by putting Taking Care of Business as the hook song, and then it became the, the hit that you hear today. Well, good for you on being uh, stubborn and persistent and whatever you want to call it. Thank and, you. And it finally, it paid off. Yeah. Undeniable. Uh, let's hear, um, we're going to get to some more of these by George songs then, but let's hear, uh, let's hear two more. Let's hear Rolling Down the Highway from Not Fragile. Right, that's the voice of rock and roll. It really Isn't is. Isn't it amazing from Winnipeg came these voices of rock and roll, Fred yeah. Turner, Neil Young, Burton Cummings, and I add myself in there last. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a, as a kid, I didn't know you guys. I didn't know 
people were from Canada. I just thought everyone yeah. was from here. Yeah. So, um, your, your manager was Bruce Allen back then. Yes. And when he popped up in the documentary, I was like, Oh, Bruce Allen. Cause I would read his name on Loverboy albums and right. Brian Adams albums. And this guy, he, you guys had the foresight to actually have a film crew way back when follow you around. At we some did. Points. There's a BTO documentary coming. We hit number one, which is about 75. We're doing a tour and in the States, Bob Seger was our opening act. And in, uh, Ireland and Germany, it was Thin Lizzy with Phil Lynott, you know, wow, doing Boys Are Back in Town. And so we had a film crew follow us around. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That, and we just found the film after 28 years in storage. And I had to pay the storage fee. It was like $30,000. Oh, it's worth it. Was it was like 28 <laughs> canisters of this stuff. And I had it restored and because it gets all yellow. You know, like your old family films, they kind of get yellow from yeah. sunlight. All restored in all high definition. So a BTO documentary is being done now with all extra added footage. And so, so you've seen some of the footage. Yeah. Does it look great? Really amazing. Cool. Well, we're all wearing the stupid colored clothes, well, like yeah, you said. Yeah. It's an evolution of blue <laughs> jeans into weird Joseph coat of many colors and pink cactuses yeah. and diamonds on your... Because, I mean, you, you, look like a, you guys look like linebackers. You look like you're going to play... Well, we were always the boys next door who would take out the old lady's garbage, right, or mow her lawn or shovel her <laughs> sidewalk. I said, we're the boys next door. We weren't wearing silver tights and makeup no. or eyeshadow. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's hear one more classic by BTO, and then we're going to hear a couple of uh, uh, songs by, by Randy, but they're George Harrison songs. And then we're going we're gonna to let Randy uh, get along and uh, write some songs today, or whatever he's going to do. Yeah. So let's hear uh, Hey You. You were on The Simpsons. Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> I go, I come home and there's something coming out of my fax machine. It says permission to use your two songs, taking care of business, ain't seen nothing yet, on The Simpsons. And so I call my publisher here and say, "What is this all about?" And he said, "Well, to use your songs on The Simpsons." And I say, "For what?" They say, "Well, you're going to be on it." I go, "What do you mean?" They say, "Well, they're cartooning you in. You got to come in and do a voiceover." <laughs> and I'd been on tour. I didn't get any of these phone calls. Just this fax came yeah. out with permission. And I went, "Wow!" And so they flew me down here. And they flew Fred down separately, so he did his stuff. There was a whole section that I have all the outtakes, but they had to shorten the whole, the whole thing. But at least Homer's there saying to Bart, this is the age of initial bands, like CTA, <laughs> Chicago Transit, ELO, BTO, uh, REO Speedwagon. Everybody had initials, CSNN, you know, all these. That right. was the day when we had initials for the bands, and BTO's my favorite band. That was really cool. So you're on stage, and you start to talk, and then Homer just interrupts you and yells out. I think he just yells, take it care of business. Yeah, I do this normal thing, going, I'm going to play all of, our, all of our, some new songs. And he goes, no, don't take care of business. And you, and you just kind yeah, of shrug, yeah, and then they yeah, go right yeah. into it. It was so uh, it was so gorgeous. It's perfect, perfect Homer. Um, what? Uh, let me ask you about what's your relationship with? I kind of think I know the answer just from talking to you for this short a time. What's your relationship with uh, with fans? 
with fans with your fans like when they want to when they want to i really appreciate the fans Mm -hmm. uh whenever i can i will stop and do autographs or they come backstage Mm -hmm. or they do a meet and greet now which is great sure and my favorite thing is when they bring pictures of me way back then or their concert stub, which I've never seen because it's been in their camera. Sure. Or I'll say to them, look, here's my website. My daughter does my social media. Send it to her. We want to put this up and, and take a picture of your ticket because I was here in like 1970 or whenever I was here with this band. And now you're here with your daughter and your granddaughter. and You all know my songs. And that to me, that is really an amazing thing. Yeah. Because I love to work at nothing all day, and you're never going to make it in this business, which was out of my father's <laughs> mouth, is proved totally wrong. Totally wrong. And uh, what about what's the what's the craziest double bill that BTO was ever on? Like who? What what band? There's one with? with the Guess Who. BTO and the Guess Who. No, there was one where I was with the Guess Who. Okay, we're playing the Iowa State Fair. All right. Our opening act is Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's two guys in costumes. It's two guys with paper mache moose head on. You know, gotchis are like underwear that old your grandfather used to wear that yeah, you yeah, button yeah. up, dyed brown with big moose feet, and they play a reel-to-reel tape of the cartoon of Rocking Bowling, and they go on stage and they move around. That was the weirdest opening. I think we come on and play shaking all over in these eyes. That was pretty weird. That's like a spinal tap. Thing. It is, exactly. That's nuts. What... um. Well, Randy, thank thank you so much for being here today. We're going to talk more about by George real quick. I do want to I do want to thank Sharon Johnson, your publicist, and uh, I guess the driver's name is Art. Art was the driver, and I even though I ask your manager how to say his name, I don't think I can say it. So, what's your if you're name? American, you would call him Giles Paquin, but he's French, so it's Gilles Paquin. And I think I called him Giles, and he slapped me right in the face. He's used to that. So, so thank you too, uh, manager man, <laughs> for getting Randy here. All right. The next song I want to play feature off of. Should I do the thing where we don't say what the song is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play? Do that. Okay. Play the play the next one you got. This is from by George. Let me tell you how it will be. One for you, nineteen for me. It's so See, much that's fun. the riff from Believe Me. Mm-hmm. I'll always be your guy. Believe me that you played yeah, earlier. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love it. Thanks. The uh, we're gonna close. I have. Uh, we're gonna close out with um, while my guitar gently weeps. Oh, a classic. This is a classic. So cool. Walter Trout, my buddy's playing on this. Oh, nice. And it's like Hendrix lands in the studio. So halfway through it, it brings tears through the outro <laughs> solo. It's amazing. Well, that'll be our playout song. I want to quick promote a little bit. Randy, where can we find you on the web? Do you have a website? Uh, RandyBackman.com, Randy Backman official Facebook. You're on, and, and you're on Twitter and Instagram and all that good yes, stuff. Yes, I am. You can seek it out. Just put up my name there. All right, great. Thank you for being and here. And I'm on the 26th, available on iTunes, Prime Video, Google Play, and on DVD. And the documentary is great. I, I watched Thank it. You. I, I loved it. I learned stuff I never knew. And so please seek it out. Go get it. Go buy it. Go buy this by George album. And go buy all... I mean, you have like... I think I count like 16, 17 solo albums. 
just under well, Randy quite a Bachman. few. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I never stop. Yeah. There's an amazing output of music by you. Well, there's probably 20 unreleased albums in my home studio. Well, let's get them out there, Randy. What are you waiting for? Okay. <laughs> You're starting a, are you starting a label? Uh, no. <laughs> How about a deal memo? <laughs> Uh, Kyle, you're at Kyle Dotson Funny. We are at Rock Solid Show. I'm at Pat underscore Francis. Go to rocksolidpodcast.com to find all the episodes and everything else about the show. So, Randy, thanks so much for being here. Singer, songwriter, guitarist, producer, a true living legend. And I hope when you do get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that will happen, I hope that you go and have fun with it and, and do it for the fans. So, thanks again. Thank you so much. Let's hear your version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is total Neil Young, right? It is. When I play my solo in this, it's very Neil Young. So it's slow. And then when Walter Drunk comes in in the end, it's like fast Hendrix stuff. Yeah, yeah this is just the coolest uh, version of this song. Cool. The whole album's awesome. Go get it, people. Oh